Let's have an appearance this morning by the town manager in Mansfield. It's Ryan Aylesworth who joins us to see what's going on in the town of Mansfield. Are you getting geeked out for postseason baseball? Because a certain team that's a favorite of yours is playing, but not yet. <laughs> yeah, very very happy that uh, the Yankees uh, made the postseason this year. For a while there, despite their incredibly strong start, for a while there it looked like uh, that might not be in the cards. But uh, it'll be interesting with the new expanded playoff format to see how things play out this year. But uh, I'll be pulling for Cleveland uh, in the in, in the first series. I think a, uh, a Yankees-Cleveland series, that sounds like a good throwback series for October baseball. Well, let me just remind you how things worked out in 2004 when the Cleveland manager, Terry Francona, went against the uh, Yankees. It didn't work out so well for your guys. Uh, right, a chance, a chance at redemption many, many years later, 18 years later. Hey, how tied up were you, how wrapped up were you in the whole Aaron Judge home run watch? You know, you're a Yankee guy. Were you, like, watching every one of his at-bats? Pretty much, pretty much. Had to had to pause normal life every now and then to, to, to you know, wait for it and see it happen. Certainly, uh, you know, mathematically, when there were quite a few games left, it seemed inevitable, and then I got down to the wire. I think the... Yeah, the monkey was definitely off his back when he tied Maris. I think even if he hadn't gotten to 62, kind of being the the co-American League, uh, you know, uh, champ, would it would have probably been okay. But uh, but happy to see him surpass Maris and and 62 home runs. That's that's a lot of dingers. All right, on to Mansfield business here, and you had a big celebrate Mansfield festival a few weeks ago. How'd that work out? As I recall, it was a pretty good day. Yeah, I mean, it was my uh, second one. You know, we, we uh, as a family got to go to celebrate Mansfield last year. And last year, after having uh, basically a years-long hiatus uh, because of the pandemic, was kind of a bounce-back year. So attendance wasn't, wasn't overwhelming last year, but this year really was strong. I think it was back to kind of uh, historical levels. Um, it was uh, estimated that we had 3,000 or so attendees. Um, all, the, all the booths that uh, the downtown partnership was trying to fill got filled. And uh, as you said, it was, uh, I thought anyway, a great fall day. For some people, especially as the day wore on, they thought it got a little cool and it was uh, a bit of a wind tunnel in, in spots in the downtown, but, but I thought it was a great event. You know, great music throughout the day and into the evening. Uh, great to see so many families and UConn students. And actually, uh, we saw members of the women's basketball team. They stopped by uh, one of our booths, and, uh, and so that was great. Got some pictures uh, with them. But, uh, but yeah, the, the Mansfield Downtown Partnership does a, does a great job every year with the festival, and, and just a shout-out to their staff and all the volunteers that, that made it come together so well. It's a, it's a great fall tradition, and uh, looking forward again, or looking ahead to next year already. Did you have some good eats at the Celebrate Mansfield Festival? Absolutely, you know, uh, you know, when it's that fair time of year, you know, you, you can't go to, you know, festivals, fall festivals, and and not uh, savor the local fair, and uh, certainly that uh, get, gets our kids excited as well, and uh, yeah, no, definitely a lot of good food. Ryan, since the last time we spoke, the University of Connecticut has announced a new president. Well, I guess she went from interim into being the full-time president. And I know you were on the search committee for that. We talked about that last month. But what can you tell us about the search for the new president? Yeah, I was on the uh, the search advisory committee, which was uh, you know uh, an honor to be invited to participate in that process. Um, I believe all said there were 
somewhere around 150 individuals that either uh, were applied or uh, were contacted to to gauge their interest in the position. And uh, I know once it got down to a group of uh, about nine or ten semifinalists, it really was an impressive uh, group of individuals. Um, and you know the field got narrowed, and ultimately uh, Redenka Merrick you know got the nod. And I think that it makes an awful lot of sense because. Uh, you know, she is uh, definitely a known commodity. She's been interim for eight months, and she's excelled during that period of time. But uh, I believe it's a dozen years now. We're closing in on a dozen years. She's been with UConn, and she knows the institution inside and out and uh, has a wide range of relationships across the state. And I think, you know, really made the, the most of her time as interim in terms of auditioning for the, uh, the quote-unquote permanent role. Uh, but definitely, you know, again, it was it was an honor to be invited and, and have the opportunity to share uh, local perspectives. Uh, as I said on a previous visit on your program, certainly from where I sit, you know, we have a lot of shared goals with UConn, a lot of a lot of opportunities to work together um, and kind of row in the same direction. And uh, certainly, since Rodinka has been in the interim role, you know, she. Uh, she shared that vision, that philosophy. I had a number of meetings with her, and uh, she's a very, very enthusiastic ambassador for UConn. Yeah, she seems to be very hands-on as far as meeting the students, getting out, and being visible on the campus. I see a social media presence with her as well. She went to the UConn football game at Michigan at the Big House, one of 109,000 people who were there. As a member of the Search Advisory Committee, what do you think were some of the things that put her over the top? Because I'm sure you had other qualified candidates, but what was it that made you decide, yep, she's the right one for the job? I think, you know, really UConn is at somewhat of a crossroads in the sense that, you know, it's been a longstanding, you know, great institution, a very highly regarded state institution. But, you know, really it has an opportunity here in the near future to undergo some transformational change and, and, and really, you know, take the institution to the next level. So um, it was very clear that uh, the trustees and, and the search committee really wanted to make sure that the next president had that vision, you know, had that ability to facilitate that sort of transformational change. And, and certainly her background in sustainability and innovation sciences and entrepreneurship, um, you know, these are all things that, I think really fit the time. You know, I think finding the right fit for for a university or really any institution, finding the right leadership fit. You know, it's all about the, the time and what the needs of that particular time are. And I think you know she's she's the best fit for the the needs of UConn now. And as you just alluded to, um, she's incredibly passionate about the student body. Um, she's in every turn emphasized students first and, and wanting to be a compassionate leader. And, and above all else as well, helping to ensure that UConn is affordable and accessible financially for uh, families of all different means. And so, um, you know, that was definitely qualities that I think resonated uh, not just with me, but with other members of the, the Search Advisory Committee. Brian, I see there are a few new restaurants in downtown stores. What's new on the business front? Yeah, we're uh, very excited. I'm not sure if you had a chance to stop by uh, Jefferson Fry yet, Wayne, but uh, that's been generating a lot of interest uh, uh, it had its grand opening last week. That's on Dog Lane, and uh, a lot of different business activity in town. Uh, folks may be uh, aware that Bagel Zone, which um, has been down at the old Holiday Mall, um, 
uh, plaza location, and that area is being redeveloped for a very large-scale multifamily development. Bagel Zone relocated to downtown stores in uh, in University Plaza, and so very happy to see that that longtime business uh, has has a new home in town and and kind of front and center uh, near near the campus. But just a lot of pre-application work right now. A lot of conversations with developers that have uh, varying projects that they're. Uh, pursuing, um, as I've said in other, you know, uh, appearances with you, uh, multiple large-scale multifamily development projects uh, in different areas of town. And uh, actually last night I had an opportunity to take part in a social event for business owners. Um, we, we, we met at the Ballard Institute and had a chance to meet with various business owners and get a sense of what they think is is working and then things that they think could be improved on uh, to, to make it a more business-friendly environment in town. But uh, lots of activities, everything from new development to redevelopment of old sites. Uh, Champagne Motors is another one um, down by Eastbrook Mall. There are redevelopment plans uh, that are being pursued uh, with that property. And, of course, you're familiar with a number of the projects that UConn is involved with right now, like the redevelopment of uh, Mansfield Apartments right next to our town hall and the community center. So uh, a lot to track, a lot lot of uh, meetings, a lot of discussions, and I think uh, over the next couple of years, um, these concepts that are right now kind of in the planning and review phase, um, they're going to start to come to fruition, and it's going to be a pretty pretty dramatic change in, in a number of areas of town, you know, in the four corners obviously included. The last time we met, you were about to present a significant facilities plan overview to your town council. In fact, I see on your uh, town blog here, it says that I've been actively working with design and engineering professionals on a comprehensive municipal facilities needs assessment and programming use study to help us better understand both the current condition and viability of existing town buildings. Tell me more about that. Yeah, this is definitely a major project for us right now, and it's a, it's a big area of focus. Um, as, as you said, the focus of the study and, and the work we've been doing is on the uh, the sort of programmatic use and operation side. So what that means is, well, we're definitely looking at the physical condition of the buildings. That's that's important to, to understand and evaluate the physical condition of uh, the buildings that we have. The real focus is on how well um, these buildings are, are able to meet both our current and anticipated future needs. So, you know, are, are the buildings the right size, the right layout, the right location for the customers that we serve? We have um, a number of um, older and aging buildings, and we have a number of buildings that um, are being used for purposes that wasn't their intended original use. You know, like our town hall was a grammar school. And so when you walk into town hall, um, it's laid out like a school would be laid out. It's not laid out the way a, uh, a town hall would be laid out that uh, is being designed and built today. So uh, we we have looked at a lot of different options. We've examined thus far a wide range of alternatives, and we did present to the town council uh, last month a number of these concepts and basically the next phase the next focus of the the work will really be the impu- uh, public engagement piece doing listening sessions uh, gathering community input um, we think that we've done a pretty good job of identifying a number of the most compelling options but we definitely want to make sure that we go out to the community and get feedback and, and see if the community agrees with the vision that we're starting to lay out. So that's definitely going to be an area of major focus over the course of the next year. And uh, hope that uh, residents take advantage of the various opportunities that we're going to have for people to, to share their input. 
You know, Walktober is a huge deal in the last Green Valley. Over 200 events take place from late September into early November. And I'm pleased to see that Mansfield is actively involved in that. you got like 15 different events, 15 different walks or programs. So uh, anything that you want to tell people about regarding Mansfield's involvement in Walktober? You're definitely right that we take it very seriously, and it's a, it's uh, definitely a part of you know kind of local tradition. And uh, you know, as you said, we have a number of different events, including um, a, uh, a scavenger hunt that's coming up at uh, Marrow Meadow along the Willimantic River uh, tomorrow, this this Saturday. But, but probably the one that I want to emphasize the most um, because uh, we're just so proud to have this in our community. It's a celebration of the Stearns family and, and Mountain Dairy. You know, the Stearns are celebrating 250 years, repeat that, 250 years of farming uh, the land in Mansfield. And, uh, you know, the family's going to be hosting a tour um, of the property and the farm on uh, the 15th, Saturday the 15th. And um, I know that, you know, we'll have our family there and, you know, it's, it's our community, um, you know, really part of our community fabric is farming and agriculture. We try to be very supportive of agricultural businesses. Um, and we're just so proud, you know, again, 250 years to have Mountain Dairy in our community. And that's something that we want to support at every turn, um, to have an operation like that that's been continuously operated by a single family for that many generations. Um, it's just remarkable. You don't, you don't see that very much. And so we really have to uh, appreciate that and, and promote that as part of our heritage. But... Uh, but, yeah, I hope that everybody listening goes to thelastgreenvalley.org uh, uh, for details on all the different Walktober events happening in our town and all the towns really in our region. You've got one event today, Paddle Mansfield Hollow. That would be from 1 until 3 o'clock. Start things off at the boat launch, and should be a nice day for that, one of the last warmer days that we see around here. And tomorrow at 10 a.m. at Merrow Meadow, Meadow Park, it's over the meadow a family fun event on the Willimantic River. So just a couple of ideas that are coming up today and tomorrow, Walktober events in the town of Mansfield. Anything else, Ryan, you want to share about what's happening in Mansfield? Uh, always a lot of things to plug, but I guess a few things that come to mind. Uh, we would definitely uh, want people, if they're interested, to uh, complete a survey that we've uh, put out. We're doing a a regional branding effort for four towns uh, in our region, uh, Mansfield, Coventry, Tolland, and Bolton. We've been working with those other three towns now for a couple years on shared uh, economic development and economic vitality goals, and we really want to promote local tourism in our in our four-town region. So um, that survey, and, and, and uh, it really is a short and sweet survey on, on the regional branding efforts that we've done, that can be accessed on the websites of any of the four towns. So uh, in Mansfield's case, that's mansfieldct.gov. Uh, we continue to move forward with the construction of the new elementary school. Um, we're very close to announcing a, uh, an official planned move-in date for the, for the start of school there. Um, there have been some outstanding items that have kind of gotten in the way of us being able to finalize those plans. And uh, there's definitely going to be a build-up to the opening of the school. There will be a soft opening of opportunities for parents and kids and really the community more broadly to get into the building and see what it's all about before uh, school starts there. But um, uh, very, very happy to see that that's uh, coming to, to a conclusion here in the near future. 
Uh, Wayne, I don't know if you uh, happen to catch this, but uh, we're, we're very proud of the fact that E.O. Smith uh, was one of four uh, school districts in the state of Connecticut to be recognized at the national level as a blue ribbon school. And that, that goes to schools that demonstrate uh, excellence in closing achievement gaps. And, and, you know, Region 19 is deeply committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's, it's obviously a, a great school, has a, has a reputation for being a great school. Um, but uh, that's the only school district east of the Connecticut River in our state that got that recognition. So very, very proud of our our local high school school district. Yes, we did make a big deal about that on our news when the news came out. Hey, speaking of education, one final note here that Kim King was the Mansfield and the Connecticut Teacher of the Year. Her reign ended yesterday when a Bristol teacher got Teacher of the Year. So just a quick comment on Kim King. Kim, you know, I mean, uh, we've been really fortunate to have multiple teachers in the last few years that were identified as finalists. And so that in and of itself is a ringing endorsement for, for our school system. But but King, uh, uh, Kim King is, is uh, you know, a cherished member of our, our school district. She, you know, I, I think um, when she was recognized last year, the, you know, the award to somebody more deserving. Um, I know, you know, the experiences that our own children have had with her have, have been very, very positive. And, and you know, uh, some you know, rain comes to an end, but the recognition obviously will continue. And uh, we hope that she spends her entire career in Mansfield Public Schools, and uh, she has a lot of her career left in front of her, that's for sure. Ryan, always good to catch up with you. Thanks for joining me this morning. Thanks, Wayne. That's Ryan J. Aylesworth, Mansfield Town Manager on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.